0: What is up? I am Miguel Antonio, and this is the Live and Create Podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. On today's episode, we have the artist Nicholas Caesar. He's been featured on Late Night with Conan O'Brien. He was the curator of art for Scream 4, and his works of art have been sold all over the world. We stumble upon advice for new artists. We talk a lot about merging business and the art world and what that should look like. And we we dive into the topic of how an artist should truly never stop their whoring ways. Uh, there's a whole lot of great information in here. We also talk about the value community, and I hope you guys enjoy it.
1: The Live and Create Podcast.
0: Well, and I know we got originally connected uh, through Caleb. You were uh, illustrating his book and, excuse me. <coughs> no problem. And, and so through that, we got connected by email, got to, and I've gotten to see a little bit more of what you're about, what you're doing. It sounds like you kind of have a, a wide breadth of experience uh, in the art world. And, but oh, yeah. when I was, when I was looking up on, on some of the things you've done, there's a lots of things I hope to dive into in the little bit <laughs> of time we have. Um, but there is, we could always make about, a part two. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it's Googaloo. like, leave, leave them in suspense when there you go. We're, we're coming back, we're coming back. But you had talked about uh, being part of Scream 4 and you're your oh. an art curator for, for Scream 4. And I was just. Just from my own personal curiosity, what is an art curator uh, in the uh, movies? Like, what does that look like?
1: Basic, uh, uh, basically, like, a long time ago, um, my buddy Skip, he was looking for artists. And he went to one of the galleries that shows my art, Hyena Gallery in uh, Burbank. And so he is auditioning arts. The first movie was a film called Clock Tower. And it's uh, okay. based off of the video game and starring uh, Mila Jojovich. And uh, basically, he had hired me to... uh, Actually, he hired several artists to be sort of like have an audition uh, to make all these sort of like crazy drawings. It's like this big journal, kind of like a Necronomicon and this uh, woman's nightmare with the the, clock keeper, this guy with these giant scissors that goes around. And I was the only artist who could uh, keep up with the director changing his mind every five minutes. (laughs) <laughs> so that made an impression, and unfortunately the movie was shelved, but uh, then when Scream 4 came along, Skips was like, hey, I know you work really fast, and uh, we have a week to, uh, wh- what we want to do is we want to create like a whole bunch of Scream fan art in the barn scene, and we have a week to do it, and um, so basically I got on the horn, I hired all my friends, and uh, that's kind of like what the art curator is, is like you curate all the different artists for the movie, and um, and we basically, we had about a week to do it. We finished in a week, mailed it all there. Uh, then Wes Craven was like, oh, hey, I like these. I'm, I'm going to keep them all in the office. And Skip's like, no, they're for the movie. They're not yours. <laughs> and he's like, but I want them. And he's like, no, they're like, you know, all these people worked really hard to get, you know. And so he's like, oh, OK. So then once you're on the set, um, Skip kept moving them around. Uh, and became kind of like a Where's Waldo, because he's like, I'm going to make sure none of these are cut out. And with all the different angles. So uh, then uh, I'm watching the movie, and then Courtney Cox walks underneath it. And it's the like, closest I ever got to a friend. And uh, <laughs> so that was like my big break. And the whole movie, I'm like, like, and, and it's one of these like, uh, mixed bags. So Scream screen for not that great, but I'm working with uh, Wes Craven, which is like a childhood dream of mine. That's, that's pretty in a real fantastic. horror movie you know and um yeah it, w- it, w- it was super awesome and then after the um after we got all the art back uh then we had a show we uh showed all the art at uh, hyena gallery and, and then I still see- where's the hyena gallery at? Hy- hyena gallery is in burbank california okay gotcha and um and what's really funny now is uh everyone's while uh I see the piece that I, I I sold to them for about $200. Uh, and then I see it resurfacing in all these prop catalogs for like $750, $1,000, $2,000. And this is the kicker. Uh, I forgot to sign it. Oh damn. <laughs> so I had to send this, like, you know, we were in such a rush to do everything, and, like, you know, I'm trying to get everything boxed and done and paint dry everything, get it all to the thing. I was like, Oh, I forgot to sign it. Maybe I need to like send a little piece of paper that they could tape on the back with my signature on it or something like that. But <laughs> you know, I, I, I think it's I think it's just like 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 you're saying, it's like no matter how prepared you are for something, um, you know, something always happened on left field. So that's a I think
0: that's a cool lesson for really any artist too, because you were part of this film that you put so much work into and it gets shelved and a lot of people think, well, that's just over. But what it did is it opened up yet another amazing door for you, uh, which yeah. was even bigger than the first opportunity. I think that's a really cool thing to see. I had a friend who's an actress uh, out in New York and she auditioned and really worked her ass off for this one part. And then it, it got pushed aside. But then like two mm-hmm. weeks later it gets a call for a much bigger role for something else. So that's, it's really cool to hear like as an artist, you, you made the best of the opportunity because you you were able to work so quick, but then, boom,
1: you, you get this bigger opportunity uh, within it. That's really cool. Totally. And and the first movie that got shelved, I remember going to skip, and I was like, oh, man, it got shelved. He's like, well, did you get paid? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, shut up. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's true. I used to. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, he's like a prop master from like a million movies from Fight Club to all these different things and stuff like that. He's like, he's like, you don't even want to know how many of my films, like I worked on their (laughs) shelves and everything. It's like, if you got paid, that's success. If you didn't get paid,
0: (laughs) you know. I had a bass player when we would tour every once in a while, we'd find ourselves in these really strange places like backwoods of, you know, West Virginia, doing some random gig on the way to the other main gig. And, uh, I was bitching about it, like in the van at like 2am and, uh, and he just looks at me, I got quiet and he goes, so is the check going to clear? I was like, yeah, he goes, then maybe you should shut up. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, I should accept it.
1: That, that, that was like, I mean, I mean, that was like, uh, I remember when I first started doing art, um professionally and everything, I had no idea what I was doing. Because it's like, I took art classes, right? And it's basically like you're at summer camp making like bead, like, you know, uh, macaroni art, wallets. Yeah, the, the fence with the popsicle sticks. Yeah, right? I felt like, yeah. I, felt like yeah. I was just there kind of like, you know, like twiddling my thumbs and no one ever taught you about the business side of art. And right. it's as important as your art, you know? Because it's like, I know and you probably know like a million different artists. They were like, or creative people who don't sort of show outside of their house or the room or whatever. They're just, they just sit on their talent. Uh, and a lot of that's because they didn't know. And like when I first started out, I just went, I grabbed a magazine, like juxtapose. I went through all the artists. I was like, how do you make it as an artist? And they're like, the ones that did respond to me, they're like, I don't know. I'm still foot it. <laughs> you know, these are like guys in juxtapose too. And I was like, I thought you guys like, You know, I had it made and all the stuff or rolling in money like Basquiat and Andy Warhol and everything. They're like, nope, got two jobs.
0: (laughs) They're like, nope, still working my ass off. But that's I see that in bands a lot. There's a lot of bands that are up and coming artists that I really respect and admire. And the more I've like seen what they're up to behind the scenes, like some of them are they'll go on like a six month tour, you know, before COVID and they come back and they're, you know, a waitress at a, a local place just to try to make ends meet it's like it's the the art world is it's a rewarding world but uh-huh. it sounds like you know very well <laughs> it can be a yeah, very
1: well, painful I mean, slow world as well yeah it's, it's a, like it, it was a really fun because like I, I had like a million jobs from like i was a tour guide at the winchester mystery house i was selling knives door to door uh Paco? like I was at Morgan Stanley Dean Witter as a, a account pirate. I was doing Tiger Woods taxes. I was doing all these different things. And the <laughs> one thing that's like, uh, I remember like when, when I was temping, is like everyone I was temping with is like a telephone Jim Jesus. He's like this uh, rapper from Anticon. The like They're all like writing novels and everything like that. And you sort of like, you have this sort of camaraderie where like, none yes. of us want A desk job you know (laughs) and it's like but you like i mean when when i'm for when i was first starting out it's like um you you know it's like before i could really figure it like uh put a plan together to the business side of art like i was just like i don't know i was doing like clubs i was doing like whatever i was doing like coffee shops i didn't know you know whatnot and then um It really kicked off when, in 2006, where I got this, I was on MySpace, that's how old I am, and uh, I got this message from this guy Chip in uh, Sacramento, and he's like, hey, I have this uh, gym, and we do this thing called Second Saturday Art Walk. Uh, Do you want to do it? I was like, okay, I'm going to meet this guy I've never met in a gym. He says he'll have my art, whatever, and just, I took the dare. And then from there, um, it was really interesting because um, this is like, Sort of the beginning of the lowbrow movement, and uh, like I did the art walk, I walked around and I saw all these galleries and it's like landscape, 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 bullet fruit, landscape, landscape, landscape. And uh, <laughs> when I was doing my show with my weird art, I had two kinds of people come in. One p pe- uh, one side was like, "Oh, this isn't art. This is not landscapes. Like no, I don't know where's it. the bowl of fruit." Yeah, exactly. And the other <laughs> side was like, oh, thank God this isn't a freaking landscape. <laughs> like, it's something different. You know, but um, from there, um, this is kind of like when when I, I uh, made the transition, because I uh, returned to California from Ohio, long story, came back with, like, a handful of CDs. Like, I was, like, poor. I was living on a hooker mattress in a house that looked like the Fight Club house in Oakland, and yeah. um, like and I had no money and stuff like that. So like a fear, desperation, and poverty were like my teachers of like, okay, like if I'm gonna be an artist and like and this is around like um like all the jobs is like the recession, all the jobs are like all gone and everything like that. So like I was just like stuck in this weird kind of quagmire. Um and then um and then at the second Saturday art walk, I it was really weird because I was so different and my stuff stood out, uh, I would make rent money every month. And it's like, and the, but then it's also you have to hustle because it's like every second Saturday art walk is four hours. So you have four hours to sell all your art and make money for ramen, chocolate syrup, toilet paper. <laughs> so that's where it's just like, um, you, you know it's like all those past sales jobs kind of like came together and but that's awesome different different than sales it was like like i actually cared about what i was doing <laughs> you know where it's like um i was like here's my yard yeah, i got this selling this-, this thing before yeah exactly now you're like i finally
0: get to apply this to something i'm passionate about that i give exactly. a shit about.
1: no i mean it was like it like i realized like so many office skills like excel word everything comes back into uh you know, comes back into like play when you're when you're making it like as an artist when you're doing an art full time. Right. And so because I had no money and I was broke, um, I just basically spent what I had on more canvases. And then it started from like I went from Tribe to Sideshow Studios to Cool Cat Gallery. So there was a time when I was averaging about five shows a month. And okay. so i was just super productive because again fear poverty desperation <laughs> um, i'm hungry Our great teachers yeah so and then um and then fast forward and then like from that like that expanded to all these galleries around the world and uh you know i i just turned into the girl who couldn't say no you know and even if it was like a um like, I remember this one gallery, like, I, I had spent something like $75 in the mail and got everything back. And so I was like, oh, like, and I had paid $75 to get everything back. So I was like, I lost $150 there. But Wes Craven bought me a new TV. <laughs> you know, so it's like, there you, you go. Know, it's like, go take. But I, I think the actual practice of it, because um, the other thing that I wanted to change is I wanted to change, like, the whole gallery system because galleries like a lot of high-end galleries and like they alienate collectors from owning original works of art so i did the math and basically like all the people who are like you know just regular people are far more uh just far more mass number than someone who's going to like buy art and use it for like a tax shelter or throw it in a vault or anything like that so i was like. Well, how about I cater to them, make yeah. art accessible to everybody, keep like super low prices, like where everyone could afford it, uh, it. and that's what kind of kept me afloat. It, it, it's it's kind of like I adopted the philosophy of a dollar store, and yeah. I remember like the guy at the uh, the dollar store. They interviewed him, and they're like, "How do you have all these chickens with, uh, you know, everything a dollar?" And he goes like, "Well, see, so you go in there, and you're like, like, well, everything's a dollar.'" And then you just pile more things in your cart. By the time you're done, it's like 40, 50, 70 dollars. You're out, you know. Right. And, and but you also have that thing where it's like it's very disarming because it's just a dollar. And like that's right, like right, my right. Art. you that's know, it's awesome. very I love
0: I love that strategy behind it. And like, how do you open up? Uh, we have a first Fridays here in Kansas City, uh, uh, in our it's called Crossroads, it's our arts district. And uh, there's they noticed there was a lot of people coming from the suburbs who weren't like the typical like art enthusiasts. And they Mm -hmm. started doing a trolley where they had a guide that would take them to each place and essentially educating uh, people on the art. And I I think it's it's a similar perspective of like, how do we help like your everyday person engage Mm -hmm. with art? And what does that look like and help them understand what they're paying for, you know, and and why these mediums? Are, are so valuable and those kind of things. And I, I
1: love it, man. I love it. Because that's, that's another thing too, is like when you take sort of like average people and you're showing them original <clears throat> art, there is a sort of education involved in it uh, mm-hmm. because like uh, you get the flea market people, right? They're like, I don't know if I want to pay $100 for that. I mean, <laughs> I could, you know, my kid could probably pay that. And I'm like, well, have your kid. <laughs> put his stuff out here you know have him come next week you know i'm like what are you doing like your kid could be making money or whatever kind of thing but you know the whole thing where it's like you you sort of educate them like what art is it's like hey i'm selling myself i create this is like years of like my life kind of like outpouring into like everything from like crazy little cartoon characters from like nightmare scenes to like whatever kind of thing um you, you, you know, and, and and it's you're creating something from nothing, you know. Right. And what I'm doing, and, and you just sort of like educate because, like, having low prices too, you get the stigma that's like, oh, it's not worth that much. Versus the like philosophy behind it, and you're like, no, this is like this is like, and, and people have told me this where it's like, it's like having your own Leonardo da Vinci. It's like having your own personal like, you know, because like all the commissions that I do. um, Everything's like, again, I'm the girl that doesn't say no. So it's like, you know, you know, and they're like, Wow, this is like a real painting. I'm like, Yeah, it is a real painting and you can afford it and you can afford more. And how I stay afloat is because it's like when your cost is low and your volume is high, um you stay afloat and you can sustain yourself as an artist. You when know, it sounds um, like
0: you've been developing that ability throughout your whole career like even as you started out saying like they they hired you for scream four because they knew you were fast and yeah. for some reason they only had one more week like you it sounds like you throughout your career have already prepared yourself to create a very um like a huge volume but but great work at the same time which is a powerful
1: thing to be able to do as an artist it, it was kind of like one of those things like it was like uh like after morgan stanley laid me off and uh, it was like, I had the severance package and everything. And I had made some money off a of Krispy Kreme stock because there's a recession. People are depressed. They eat donuts. And so And I put know, sugar in my mouth. But I was just like, I, I had that kind of thing. I was just like, you know, it's was like, uh, like I was in my thirties and I was just like, you know, my life is, it's getting close to, you know, like one day at a time. And I was like, what am I doing with my life? You know, it's like, I always made art. I always like. And I had no other options. So I was like, I'm going to do this even if it kills me. And then I did it, think it was like the hardest thing in the world. Well, approaching galleries was the hardest thing in the world. I had all these like stigmas of people are like, you can't do that, you can't do that. And then it was like, um, it was really funny. I was like, uh, I, done, I've done over like 3,000, or 300 shows, 3,000 pieces sold. And wow. it wasn't until, like, I did Scream 4 when people are like, oh, you really are an artist. You know? <laughs> it's like, like,
0: what the hell, no matter, man?
1: <laughs> no matter what your success is, it, it doesn't freaking matter. You know, it's like, um, yeah, it's like you have the celebrities in there, like uh, Charlie Sheen bought my art. And then I'm like, oh, oh, he's a, he really is an artist. And
0: it, um, and it all but, comes full circle because you talked about Courtney Cox walking in front of your painting, which is uh, the closest you've ever been to Friends. And last night I watched the episode on friends when Charlie Sheen was there
1: and he wow. got chicken pox
0: with Phoebe Buffay. <laughs> Like I,
1: I, I feel so, so connected now in this conversation. <laughs> oh, the era of, of like when your biggest worry was chicken pox. I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and it's, it's cool that, that, that perspective
0: too. It's like you're working your ass off, but then you get this big thing. and People are like, Oh, Oh, you are an artist. You're like, bro, look, Look at what's been happening yeah, all the way behind. Are you familiar with uh, Gary Vaynerchuk at all? Gary V? No. Uh-uh. Uh, he's, he's a big business dude, and uh, I love what he does. Uh, but every step of the way, he gets bigger and bigger opportunities. And people are like, is this the moment for you? He's like, no, it's just the next step. Because the reality is, is I've been working my ass off for you know 20 years, and people yeah. don't see it. They just started celebrating now and yeah, and that's I, true i think even entrepreneurship and artists artistry
1: <laughs> but no i mean it, it it is one of those weird things because it's like um like like i gave a lecture at clyde gallery and told artists like up-and-coming artists i was like like okay like remember the end of pretty woman when richard Gere comes in the limousine with the bouquet of flowers and I'm like, he's not there's no Richard Gear, there's no art gallery that's gonna save you from your whoring ways. You're always gonna be whoring yourself out there. Cause it's like, yeah, but I mean it's like no matter what success I have, whether it's Charlie Sheen or whether it's like Scream 4. Um, I'm doing another movie right now called uh I don't I don't know if I could swear, but Bat S. Oh yeah. And uh um, Bat Shit. Yeah, you can swear all you want. Oh, okay, probably. yeah. Bat shit. It's this uh, really crazy movie that's coming out. Um a friend Amir and Todd are putting together. It's like, it's super crazy. And and yeah, it's like, the, the thing is, it's like, you have success and it's like, oh, that's great. I can breathe for a little bit. But then once it's gone, then it's like, you start up again, you're foot pedaling all over again. And it's like, I think the biggest uh, myth or misconception about art is um, that somehow you'll be able to retire. <laughs> and <then it's> like, <laughs> Well, and I
0: think the I think there's another part of it too, where do do we really want to retire? In a sense of like the idea of creating, Uh, like obviously I like we all want no stress of the money, that that kind of piece. But I think when it comes to, and I think of artists as the as the ultimate entrepreneurial endeavor because it is business, but it also is creation, and and I just I think about the idea of retiring, and it actually doesn't even sound fun. Like, I just want to create in a new way, and I hope it's a little less stressful because the money saved up can kind of, uh, you know, feed feed us, and, and we're okay. And we can just keep creating, creating new things.
1: Yeah, no, I wish in, like, some sort of Star Trek utopian society, it's like, all ours had oh, to do yes. was just create art and not think about money at all. But, That'd you be know, brilliant. we got bills, too. And, and a lot of it also, additional to that, is trying to validate art as an actual job. You know, like when when I first um when I was dating my wife and and her grandmother was like, what does he do for a living? She's like, he's an artist, and she's like, yeah, but what does he do for a living? And she's like, he sells art. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, yeah, but what does he do? Fast forward, Charlie Sheen. Oh, he's an artist. You're like
0: I, I sell shit it. to Charlie
1: Sheen. Yeah, That's what I do. <laughs>
0: But I, but I, I, I laughed do. so hard because my wife got that so much. Like when I was on tour with my last band, they're like, so what's your husband do? He, he's in a band and they're like, uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> She's yeah. like, it was always like this conversation is killer. So she's like, I'd always be like, yeah. And they're on tour right now. They're like up in New York city and they're going to, do, you know, like trying to like, let them know, like, no, he's not like fucking around for drinks on the weekend. He's really <laughs> building something, you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: But I mean, I, I mean, that, that gets to the other part, especially being a band, because, like, um, there's also, like, the, the sort of scam side of uh, taking advantage of artists and musicians, where it's like, so okay, much. you can play here, but sell tickets to your own show, you know? Like, Raw Artist was a lot like that, where it's like, all right. Well, you're going to pay three hundred dollars for all these tickets, but you'll make that money back, and then more so once you sell all these tickets. Oh yeah. To an we event. did that once. <laughs> yeah, event five people are going to go to. You know. Or uh, my my other favorite thing is like jury fees. Like, I'm sorry, I don't care about what your opinion is of my art. Jury fees? What is this? Yeah, jury fees <laughs> is like okay. Let's say you're submitting your art to a gallery, and they're like, oh. okay, twenty-five dollar jury fee. Uh, twenty-five dollar hanging fee, twenty-five dollar this, uh, postcard fee, and you're like, I, do you realize? Like, I am a broke ass artist. Like, right. I have no money, but you want more money from me <laughs> for this thing? It's like no,
0: you know. Yeah, and there's so many. And one thing I see, I don't know if it, it's in the visual arts world, but in the band world, it drives me insane. There are a million people who want to sell you a million programs online so you can learn. How to do oh, yeah. XYZ. Now I'm all about learning. We we paid for some of that as a band and but we had to thoroughly, thoroughly research and found about 95% of them are all full of shit. And yeah. there are people who couldn't make it as an artist um or a manager or whatever it was. And it, yeah. it, it, it wasn't until we found the people who were like, oh no, they really did the thing and now they're showing us how to do the thing. It's so hard. And and I yeah, it, that frustrates me so much i don't know if if that's in the visual arts world oh yeah
1: oh yeah no i get a lot remember in uh i think it was like a rolling stone magazine they had the little blurb where it's like hey get your poem published in our magazine only like 25 and it's like hey we're doing this art book and we want your art in there just pay this fee and your art's in this like kind of thing and it's like um i remember like a while back um charles band he makes all these like really crappy horror movies like uh Puppet Master, they're like bad but fun, you know, kind of thing. Right. Evil Bong, uh, Ginger Dead Man and stuff like that. And he was um he was doing the thing where he's like charging people basically product placement fees to be in his movie. So it's like, hey, if you make this for five hundred dollars, we'll put it in this movie. And right. um, I remember talking to Bill at hyena about it. It's like oh, this is so weird because I got paid to be in a movie. Yet he's trying to charge uh. me to be in a movie. And Bill's like, yeah, and he's like, the worst thing about it is, like, if you're in that movie, everyone knows you paid to be there, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's just, like, it's kind of, like, you yeah. just see through it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah, there's so many. There's Sonic Bids. I actually talked to a promoter once um, that they they do these things, like, pay $25 to submit to some festival. And yeah. uh, they basically use it as a way to fund their festival and literally use not a single band that, that submitted. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Like, what? What?" And that's when I was like, "I'm not even. I can't. I can't do that stuff anymore." So yeah, I, well,
1: <laughs> my friends and I have the like no pay to play kind of rule. That you know, if, if they cut like, cause, cause a lot of them will be like really sneaky about it. You know, it's like mm-hmm. uh, Craigslist used to be like full of like art calls and everything. It was just like, oh yeah, and blah 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 blah. Uh, then you hear stories. Like I had a friend who worked in the city and at the art gallery, uh, he would go to like Italy. He would go to all these different places, buy, get all this art. And he's like, Oh yeah, I'll sell it in America from you, for you. And, uh, they had call and they're like, how's my art doing? He's was like, Oh, not good. It's still here. Mm. And he had sold all of it.
0: My you know? God.
1: So it's just, you know, I mean, that's well, why it's, it's like, um, it's our
0: dream and our passion and we put our heart into it. You were talking about that where you're like, you're putting all of yourself into this creation and then you couple that with the majority of us are broke especially in the beginning and so we become desperate and we become artists can become easy easy prey and it's yeah it's sad it's sad when it happens that's for sure
1: yeah i always see it as like punching down you know it's just like it's it's kind of like you're like i mean artists musicians writer anyone in the creative industry like people love it right? But then they're, like, at the same time, they don't, there's, like, not a whole lot of respect in it, if mm-hmm. that makes sort of, like, kind of sense, where it's, like, um, where it's just, like, yeah, no matter, like, how many, like, what you've gone through to be at the space that you are now, and yeah. all the trials and error, trials by fire, all that kind of stuff in there, it, you, you know, it is one of those things where it's, like, uh, unless you do a jingle for, like, Dr. Pepper, they're, like, you
0: know, <laughs> it's like, like, uh... Yeah, I guess. Yes, it's all right. Well, one thing that seems to be important to you, you know, just in conversation that I'm hearing, is a community of people um, where you talked about, you know, you you called up your community to help you with this week turnaround uh, for this yeah. this big moment. Uh, as I was looking up on some of the things you, online, it seems like you're also involved with trying to help support and, and invest in, in other people. Uh, where, what does that look like for you and where where does that come from?
1: Well, I I, I, th- I think one of the weird things is like competition in the art world. I don't get it because it's like we're all fighting. We're all like it's, it's it, like I don't want to compare it to Nam, but it's like one of those war movies where we're <laughs> all in this together. So why are we like, you know, um, but it's also like one of the things where, um, you, you know, uh, there are certain people out there, you've probably met them, they're sharks. That are just, like, they'll do whatever they can for success. They'll do stepping stones. They'll be your friend one day. You teach them <clears> everything <throat> that you know. And then they, just like, shit canyon, right? Jesus. Yeah, totally. Um, but it's also, like, and, and that's the, that's also one of the things that kind of keeps me afloat, too. Because it's, like, all right, let's say you're, you're a shark, right? and you work all the way up and you have the success and everything and you're in juxtapause and you're in high fructose and you're in all those things and everything like that right then you're like kind of like a one-hit wonder and then mm-hmm. people are like oh yeah there's that person and then they disappear right yeah. um when you build a community of collectors and artists and you and you, and you have that kind of like you know, everyone has each other's back, everyone supports each other and everything like that. Well, when the hard times comes, you have like kind of like a safety net to fall on, mm. you know, because it's like it, it is one of those things where um, art sales are never consistent. Like some months I'm rich, some months I'm poor. Like it's there's no science to it, you know. Yeah, And I think that's like the biggest thing problem people have with art is they think there's like a path or a science to it when it's like, no, there's many paths. And there's absolutely no science to it. Like, when I did a lecture, I said, I said, after, like, umpteen years, like, selling art, there's only one thing I learned, and that's if you make a cat painting, it will sell like crack. Because everyone loves cat paintings, and they'll go up to them, and they're like, oh, that's my cat. My cat does that. And it doesn't matter how You're good like, yes, or bad it, it is. it is your cat. Cat paintings are, like, I was like, if you need to make rent fast, cats. Because it's like there there are certain like subject matters. And and this is like, I mean, as you're an artist, you're pro you're you're uh product testing at the same time. You're like, okay, this sells, this doesn't sell, this is like, you know, kind of thing. And at the same time, you're trying to express yourself, but you also have to make money. So then uh like in the lecture, I was like, if you need rent money quick, make a fuck ton of cats. Just cat, 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 cat. cat. And I'm like, you'll be sad Because it's like and, and it's funny because uh, like I'll make art, and my friends will see like, "Oh, you're making a bunch of cats, huh? Slow month, huh, buddy?" I'm like, "Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's awesome." But yeah, for us, know. it's it's the cover it's the cover songs where so many original bands, original artists don't want to do covers; they feel like a sellout. Um, yeah. And then we we got caught in that, and then all of a sudden we're like, "Oh shit, we can actually make money." So we're gonna do some cover gigs on this tour all right everyone suck it up and just do it
1: you know it's funny i found like like one of these old um like how to make it in heavy metal video cassettes and i was watching it and they said that too they're just like well you can have your own stuff but do a bunch of cover songs and that like brings in that audience you know it's kind of like um as an artist too it's um Like, when I do, like, a comic book convention or, like, any kind of convention, I'll throw the Star Wars in there. I'll throw the superhero stuff in there. I'll throw all that stuff mixed with my own stuff. And it's, like, it seems like selling out. But it's, like, what you are, like, but you, it's kind of, like, what you're doing is you're still creating you're just creating right. in different forms, you know? I, like I always see it as just like being a creative person is like almost having like multiple personalities because you have That's to jump to like, all over the place uh, in a variety of different styles. Like when I was trying out uh, for a uh, clock tower, I pretended to be seven different artists and I did seven different styles. And that was That's another awesome. thing that like kind of kept me in the running too is like, I was like, all right, here's this because I'm so fast. And, and people are like, uh, it's funny. People are like, "Wow, how'd you get so fast?" I'm like, "Fear, desperation, and poverty." Fear, <laughs> desperation, and poverty. Yeah, I am get a call, and it's like, "Hey, this like artist flaked out. Could you fill a gallery?" And I'm like, "Yeah. When do you need it? Tomorrow, all nighter you know, get the red bulls and like stay up all night and just like working on it, stuff like that." I mean, you Damn, know, luckily, it. like, it's funny. It took me a long time to get out of that. Like, um, I think I only got it out of like this year. It's like, I'm 10 years selling art. Uh, where I allowed myself to take time, you know, cause it's always a big thing for me. It's like, okay, gotta get done. Gotta get out, gotta, you know, all, all this stuff and everything. And then at the same time, gotta make it personal. And then the other part of an artist, 90% of it is covering fuck ups. So it's like going over it, fine <laughs> detailing, covering fuck ups, sending it out. It's like, okay, I fucked up there. Here's a little hat. You know, there you go. You're all out into the world. <laughs> And then the other thing that happens to you is like, once it's out in the world, it's no longer yours. Because right. I've had people go up to me and they're like, that creature used to attack me in my dreams when I was like nine years old. I'm like, that's funny because wow. I did it last week, you know? And my buddy, my buddy Cinder has this great story where, um, we, we, we adopted Thomas Kincaid as our arch nemesis, uh, just because he was just <laughs> such an ass. And, um, my buddy Cinder made this, uh, like one of his lighthouses in this uh, UFO, just blowing it up, right? And he had all this like story behind it, all this meaning and everything. The guy, is guy like, I like UFOs. I like UFOs. Just totally didn't care about any <laughs> oh of the other God. stuff, too. You know? Um, and then, and then we do like a, a pranks at the gallery where we just find a chair and it's like, man, alone in chair. And people would go up to it and they're like, oh, oh. You know, it's a great way to punk people. It's just like put a sign on something, and they're like, "Oh, okay." Like, and then look around. And it's like, I, 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 need to find deep meaning in this. You know? And, yeah. <laughs> Try. They're They're trying
0: really hard. Like, let yeah. Me dive in. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, my my
1: my my friend Temple. She put paint on her boobs, and she squished them on this glass window frame. And this person's like, "Oh, that's all about recycling." Yeah, we need to give back. <laughs> and she's like. I just did it for fucks, you know, like, like I just did it for fun. But you know, and the guy bought it, you know. So it's like that's the other thing it, too. Is it, just it like it hit him deeply, and she was like, I, "I just put my boobs on on a yeah, but I mean on a is, glass plate. That's it." But it's kind of like once you let go of ownership of your own art, you know, that's the hard thing to do. Because, right. like, I've had people, like, send me paint swatches to match the furniture. I've had, like, you know, like, whatever kind of thing. And it's, like, um, you know, it always sounds, sounds like you're selling out. But if you're not making money. Um, you can't keep creating. You can keep creating. I'll just, like, you just need, like, a store shed. You know what I mean? It's, like. Um, <laughs> right. And stuff like that. And, and I and I think the other thing too is like like when I grew up, I was like a punk rocker. Like I wanted to be something from another planet, you know. And yeah. And so like when I started going professionally, it was really funny. It was like uh like all I had to go by was the great rock and roll swindle and what bands did. So I went up and down Hate Street putting up flyers for my website, my MySpace, my art and everything like that. And um you you know, cause it's like you you don't know what you're doing and there's no there's no one to teach you you know and so but it worked out I think that was that's the thing that like freaked me out the most was like that it worked out because you know (laughs) like somehow it all came together yeah like I mean you as a musician you know it's like I mean like once you get past the like proving them wrong you know it's like oh "Oh, you'll never make it you'll never do it and once you're past that then you're like okay well what are what's on my bucket list to do and then you go to the bucket list and they're like after that and you you know and then you just get hit with these weird projects left and right like i designed puppets for a tv show um like oh i um this guy paid me a large sum of money to do all the football logos as penises and stuff like that and it's just like all this <laughs> random weird stuff and then the the flip side of that is like you get the reputation of like getting all the weird jobs. So it's like, you know, I have have all these weird jobs. And then at the same time, I have like Caleb's book, where it's like, my heart goes out in it. Like when Caleb was like, hey, here's a book I read. I was like, man, I would do this for free. Like if I could. That's amazing. Yeah, and he had mentioned
0: that you you seem very passionate about that project and you work more, like in all these different arenas, but here you are illustrating a children's book uh, with that, that dealing with some heavy, heavy stuff. And
1: yeah. yeah. And, and it, was, it was kind of like one of those things of like, how do you translate something mm-hmm. like very heavy into something that isn't going to scare kids? You, you know, and then that's where it's like the, the kind of cartoon style is disarming and it makes it more palatable or like more accepting, uh, you know, in a way for kids to understand. Cause I mean, like kids learn, they're smart um and it it was a book that needed to be out there like i remember like caleb and i were talking the very beginning before i had a publisher i was just like man if you just bring these to like a church if you just bring these to like you know a bookstore if you just give them away you know right it's going to make such a huge difference you know and now he's published and now it's like yeah it's really kind of cool so like yeah on the one hand I'll make really gory, weird creatures. On the other hand, I'll do something like really wholesome and like, you know, full heart and (laughs) empathy like this book. You know, I did one for uh, his friend Stacy, one about being an artist, one about depression, kids with depression, Uh, one's about kids and atheists and everything. And so, I mean, that's the other thing, too, where it's like you flip all over the place where it's like, okay, here's like here's something very religious. Here's something very atheist. Here's something very flying spaghetti monster you know it's like um <laughs> hit all the hit all the areas but i mean what 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 i tell everybody i mean, I mean that's the other thing with uh, caleb is just like making art accessible you know that's just what needs to happen because um you know when we're talking about price and everything else going through everything and um I was just like, look, I really want to make this book. I want to make it happen and everything. And, you know, I know it's kind of like a big weight. And like, so it's flexible, you know. And um, then it it was just like, I I think I did in two days. Um, And then send it back to him. And then it's super fast. Yeah. Well, and and, and the other thing, too, is like uh, after you've done like 3,000, paintings drawings and everything you kind of get you better get good at it
0: (laughs) if not then maybe it's time to you know go back to sales somewhere else yeah well
1: i was told i was told artists it's like hey if you want to get rich flip houses like forget art you know but um the other thing too is like i think what i like about art and i don't know if this is true with you but the challenge of it you know what i mean it's kind of like a like when I was in school and they had occupations, it was like ditch digger, like uh, fry cook, whatever kind of thing, you know. And everyone said it's like, oh, you can't make it as art, being an artist, yep. being a musician, you just can't. And then when you go and do, uh, it just reminds me like Sammy Davis Jr. Like strangely, because there was this interview with Sammy Davis Jr. Like, why do you do all these things, like these goofy things, and everything and like with all these skits and they're kind of like racial or whatever and he's like well i want to make it easier for the next person and that's kind of yeah. like me as an artist you know like with him he's talking specifically to the african-american people but for me as like artists i want to make it easier for that artist behind me. and just an awesome go like hey, you can do it it's gonna suck a lot you know like the 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 pain the humiliation and the the uh the stress is are going to outweigh the the fun perks and everything but it's going to be worth it because you did it you know and it's just like i had
0: a professor in college who actually told me something very similar when i told him what i want to do i was like i want to write record and tour uh pretty much my whole life that's that's what i want to do at you know, 18, when I was first talking to him and still working on (laughs) to this day. Um, and he told me that he goes, you're just going to have to accept that you're going to have to put in 110% every single day and accept the fact that it may not look like you want in the end, but the joy was the fact that you did it. And you took that journey. That's going to have to be what you live in and accept. And, And I've never forgot that conversation. It's and it, it's, it's really lived out because I've tried other things. I've tried to give give up on it multiple times throughout my yeah. life. I started a roofing company. Like I said, like if you if you want to make money, go do something else. Like And so I, like a friend was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm making money. So I started a roofing company. It was making money. I hated it. Uh-huh. Uh, went and did try to do other things and and ultimately always came back to the creation because it was like the shittiest day creating is better than my best day doing really anything else.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like not knowing what's coming down the pipe. You know, mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's one of my favorite parts about the job is, like, you never know what's coming up. Like, I just did a series of uh, 13 illustrations of photographers for a photo studio that's opening up uh, from my friend Anita in Oakland. Uh, and then after that, we're still working on batshit. We're doing, like, more visuals for the um, animated intro for that. And then I'm also producing a TV show, Mosquito and Spider, that's in like three years. Our editors were like kind of like, a, you know, Spinal Tap, the drummers. We just kept losing the editors. So we had like this stockpile of like three years worth of footage. And, you know, it's like we we all produced it ourselves and everything. And uh, <laughs> probably getting edited down to the final, like the first season is getting closer and closer to being like put together. Um, and that was just started because like I went to the Alternative Press Expo in San Francisco. And it was like all these creative people out of work. You know, it was like you had out of work animators, you had out of work artists, you had out of work whatever kind of thing. And they're just, you know, they're foot peddling it like me. And so I was like, well, what if I got like a TV show and brought everybody into the TV show, make it sort of like space ghost format based off of my web comic characters. And initially we thought it was gonna just be like a box or something, you know, like, and then two puppets and then um, it just grew now has a professional set uh professional actors uh we have bins and bins and bins of thousands of puppets uh and yeah now it's like seeing the light of day so it's like it's just nice to put that payoff but at the same time sometimes you forget that you're involved in so many things that i often feel like the thing like i'm getting nothing done but it's like, oh, you have a movie over here. You have a TV show over here. You have this project over here. You have this project. This is coming to light. This is coming to light. So it's like, I, I don't know. I, I think you just get so focused on what's coming in that you forget what you have accomplished. You know? Yeah. Sometimes, it's like,
0: it's, yeah, you have to stop and look back a little bit, and be like, oh, yeah, I kind of kind of did do that. That's good.
1: Yeah, and it's like it's one of those things like I look at my resume and it's just like, uh, like I was watching this documentary called Heckler. I totally recommend it with um, uh, uh, Jamie Kennedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that <laughs> because as an artist, I kind of feel like um, one of the great things about that is just like have your retorts lined up, You you know, sort of like like when people people are like. Oh, so what do you do for a living? Oh, I sell art to sheet. Oh, okay. You know, like that kind of thing to get past those it right there. Uh, prejudices and biases, and like you know, right. people just like the armchair critics going like, oh, blah 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 blah. You know, uh, like I mean, I mean, it's, it's crazy because musicians and artists. It's kind of like if you're if you're if you're like a prostitute or a drug dealer, no one would question your finances. No one's going to be like, hey, did you make any money today? Okay, oh good. God, you're well, probably doing good. Yeah, exactly. But your artist, musician, writer, they're like, so uh, is there an empty, uh, you know, guitar case out there with some coins in it for you? <laughs> like, would you like me to
0: PayPal you some money? Is Are you going to need help? Kind of <laughs> <laughs> totally,
1: totally. How are you doing? Check, like, yeah, those check-ins and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. Well, man, uh, I, I love... Your
0: perspective of entrepreneurship within uh, the art world, like it's it's inspiring me, inspiring to me to hear. And I love your focus of community. Even hearing about how you built this project, like, hey, here's these struggling people. I want to leave something better behind me. So let's let's bring everybody in. I I dig it. Uh, but kind of uh, landing the plane in here, the the two big things that that I, I like to dive into towards the end. Uh, this, this idea of living a great life, creating great things. I'm, I'm on my own like personal journey to kind of figure, figure out what the hell that looks like for me. Uh, Uh, but it's been inspiring to hear other people's thoughts. So starting with the, that first question for you, if you, if you had to boil it down, even maybe put it on a, a a meme or, or paint it on a canvas, what does living a great life look like to you?
1: Oh man, getting to do what I want for (laughs) a living. Seriously. Like, you don't know how rare that is. Like, I mean, it's like, um, and mostly because people are afraid, you know? People are, like, terrified. And because we have this whole culture that's taught them that you can never be successful. You can never be successful at anything. You know, it's like kind of like mm-hmm. to push you down kind of thing, to make you smile and enjoy Bagel Wednesday at your corporate job or whatever kind of thing. <laughs> um, you, you know, I mean... It's it's kind of like one of those things. Like even even when I wasn't making money on art, I was making art, and that to me is the best life. Is I get to do what I want for a living. I work with all my friends, you know, it's like I, and the people who hire me become friends. Like Caleb and he and I bonded over Microwave Massacre, the really crappy horror movie. Uh, but, I've not heard of that one. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's like I I think. Like, I remember, like, I was doing this one show in Artery Gallery in uh, Benicia, and he said, it's like, you know, people forget that, like, being an artist, you you have to have social skills, you know? And it doesn't seem like, the, like this big thing, but, like, I remember back in the day, I was a shy church mouse. Like, I was so quiet, you know, uh, in my teen years. And I had this friend Desmond who was like, he talked like a game show host. But he got all these chicks and everything, and I was like, wow, he's cool. Okay. Like, hey. I'm going to start talking to, like a game show host so I could get all these chicks too. So I started talking like a game show host, got me out of my shyness. But then I had to retrain myself to learn how to talk like myself and not him or a game <laughs> show host. So something like a little more like authentic or whatever. But because of that <clears> thing, <throat> it's like, I mean, it's kind of like you network with everybody. You know, it's like, I've had, um, like, I used to have the same where you send these letters to, like, people fighting the war and everything. You send them, like, candy from the dollar store and everything like that. Well, it's like, one of the guys from there um, contacted me six years later to develop, like, a uh, to design a hot sauce label, right? Hmm. And then another person bought my art. He commissioned me to do uh, Uncle Sam, Cthulhu, and the Kraken. And he mounted that on his uh, tank in Afghanistan. <laughs> so- yeah so i mean it's kind of like like the stories like you're never you're never without great stories when you're you know when we when you're talking to people and 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 i think that's the biggest thing like i think 90 percent of my success is uh based off of like danny trejo said the same it's like every success i've ever had was stemmed from doing something good for somebody else and that's a that's I think the best way to kind of network and 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 connect with people um because like i've done a lot of like free drawing i've done a lot of like free work and everything um uh and other stuff just because like i like this or that or the other and then that, from that that stemmed to like all these different things and you know people pot using art for podcasts and everything like that i ended up like uh i'm one of the artists for uh, print called nation and uh uh, Fun Losers of America, the Snowplow Show, like all these print colors, and like I draw people getting angry and stuff like that. Um, you know, and and it's just you know, it, it's it's kind of like it's, it's one of those things where you have to like, it goes back to yourself, and you're like, wow, like I'm doing this job, and I'm happy in this job, and this job isn't like a job, <laughs> you know, it's like, right. um,
0: and you like where you're at grateful at this things. point just to be able to get paid. Uh, to do it in in a sense
1: and at, least from, that, at least for from- me and underneath that it's um it's world domination because let, let, let me explain like making your art accessible right selling to a million different people having your art in every house next to the TV is like i might never be in a museum i may never have like you know an introspective or like something like that but i've conquered the world like when one of my pieces oh. ended up in a thrift shop i was like i made it that's that to me is success. <laughs> like when your stuff is so much out there that it ends up in a thrift store, you people know, people are just
0: and, like, you know, I, I got to get rid of some things. And you're like, what? That's yeah, like awesome, but,
1: man. That's awesome. But, I mean, yeah, I think it's like it's like changing the idea of art and ma- like when you change the idea of art and you make it obtainable and accessible and everything, like, uh, it's. It's one of those things where, like, um, I don't know. It just tells a story. It keeps going and going and going. Like, I've had art, like my art, given away to other people from other people, and just keeps spreading around like a virus. And it's just like it's a lot, like that's the that's what I'm gonna leave behind. And that to me to to me is success because it's like, yeah, you know, it's like I'm not, you know, I'm not an Oprah or whatever. But I don't care about that. But I am in everybody's house, you know, and like. Well, and, you, yeah. and really, you you found a way to do what you
0: love, to do actually what you want, and execute that way. And you yeah. you kind of hit on it, I think, a little bit. But if you had to distill it uh, again in in a meme or or something uh, shareable in that that regard, what what does creating great things mean to you? Uh,
1: probably Frankenstein. you're gonna have to unpack that one for me okay so when i first learned to draw right like i didn't know how to draw so i tried to trace the tv as the images were going across the tv and then i used to watch this show creature features and when i saw frankenstein right here he built a creation out of all these variety of sources he put together and gave it life i feel like that's kind of art it's like all right, like I'm a big fan of B-movies and monster movies. I'm a big fan of Ren Stimpy. I'm a big fan of all this stuff. It all goes into this big kind of creation. And then through your hands, you take all that information, all those body parts, and you put them together. Um, It's like how you do hands, how you do eyes, how you do everything. And it becomes your creation. And then that creation becomes alive because when you're doing a show, everyone who looks upon it, it lives in their head. So when they're Mm -hmm. walking around, it sort of plants this little seed in it. Um, And then it becomes theirs and no longer yours, you know? And um, so, yeah, like, and I mean, I think that's behind uh, my art, like, very much in the beginning. It's like, I wanted to make monsters. I want to make my own monsters. I want to be Dr. Frankenstein. I just want to, like, put all these things together, you know, like those old, like, uh, drawing kits where it's like you have these different slides and you rub across the slides and it's like one's a head, torso legs right um i still do that now i mean that's where it's just like i'm like okay like how can i make this weird how can i make this weirder how can i make this like really weird you know i love it that's
0: that's the freshest answer i've had uh thus far uh throughout the podcast for what does it mean to create great things in frankenstein but i i love it especially as an artist and perspective and influences uh coming in that's awesome man um what One thing on before I unfortunately I do have to take off, but um, uh I I wanted to ask you, uh so really bad horror movies. I've rarely found anyone who ever thought this was a great movie, but I love the shit out of it. Rubber.
1: Oh, own it. You should should, uh (laughs) I love that movie. It's it's a killer fucking tire. Uh, what in the
0: world? <laughs>
1: if you uh, check out Wrong Cops, it's also by Quentin DePoe. Uh Dupieux, Same I'm director. Totally butchering his last name, but uh, same director. Uh, and it's about cops and Marilyn Manson is like a male prostitute in it. And like, <laughs> it's all about keywords. It's so and it's insane. Like, it's kind of like, imagine, imagine the director of Rubber making his own Pulp Fiction. That's what <laughs> Wrong Cops is. Also, I recommend Bloodcar. Blood Spaghetti car. Man. Okay. Spaghetti Man and uh oh what was one of the other ones I found that was really fun. Uh I did finish Bigfoot versus the Illuminati. That was oh. uh that was interesting. <laughs> Have you seen the I,
0: Bigfoot film? It's it's not like B-ish movie, but there's a Bigfoot film that uh Bobcat Goldwith uh put together. Oh yeah. I can't remember the name of it, but I didn't know it was him until the end, and I was like, that was a really good movie. And then I realized he was one who I think either directed or wrote. I can't remember.
1: Yeah. I think it was like a Willow Creek. Yeah. That sounds right. That sounds yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, art poster by artist Alex Bardee. Um, yeah. Bobcat Goldthwait is super, like, a uh, uh, super awesome. Like I love his movies. I have shakes the cloud. Uh, God bless America was fantastic. Um, yeah, shakes the clown. It has this great like rivalry between clowns and mimes. <laughs> so, I love it. And Bob has an alcoholic, uh, crazy, uh, fucked up clown in it. How could you not love it? <laughs>
0: Well, Nick, man, it was great hanging out with you. Unfortunately, I do have to take off, but uh, thank you so much. I I love the perspective that you're coming from and inspires me. (laughs) Yeah, definitely, man. I would love... uh, Thank you for listening to the Live and Create podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review. The
1: Live and Create podcast.